Want to know how to take your home from lackluster to blockbuster? Need to know the latest interior design trends? Then you'll be right at home with the Find It, Style It podcast. Hosted by Lauren Keenan, where we show you how easy it is to create beautiful spaces and turn your house into a home you'll love. Find it, style it. Shake it! Hey there, this is a podcast series about renovating for profit and we want to help arm you with the questions you need to ask yourself and your experts when you're doing your own renovation project. So whether you're thinking about doing this for the first time or if you've done a project like this before and you want to get a feel for how other people are tackling their projects, then this is the show for you. What we're talking about is an investment. And if you're going to get the best out of your investments, whether that in, in the stock market, whether that be the property, whether that be in art or wine, whatever you're going to invest in, it's important that you're educated as much as you can. And I think in this day and age with podcasts like, like the one we're talking on today, that allows you to get better educated. I'm Lauren Keenan, an interior designer and stylist and the host of this award-winning podcast. Hey, I'm Scott Keenan. I'm her other half, not better half. Uh, I'm a creative who likes making things that look and sound amazing. And I've also got a really big interest in property, mostly thanks to this one. And we're a couple that likes to get things done. And we want to take you through some of the pitfalls based on our recent experience and the essential things you need to know, like the difference between renovating to rent and renovating to live in or sell, and the benefits of setting and sticking to a budget. There's plenty to get stuck in. So in episode two, we talked about how to find your investment property and Lauren had some really great tips around that. And in episode one, we went through our renovation story and some of the things that we learned along the way. So if you haven't heard those episodes yet, you can go back and have a quick listen after this. But in this episode, we tackle one of the biggest questions. This is episode three, buying to keep and rent versus buying to flip. Find it. Style it. Okay, so if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we bought and renovated our own property, which we're now renting, and it was a success. We had a, a great time doing that, and that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast series, to share some of the things that we learned. Yeah, because we made mistakes along the way, and there's things we probably do differently next time, and it's been great to have that learning experience and now document it for, for others to, to get some positives out of it too. But one of the biggest questions that we faced when we were going through the process of deciding whether to invest was what would we do with the property once we bought it and it does tend to depend on the property itself I think is a really big question it's the property and the local market are the things that you need to think about because there is a difference between buying to flip and sell or buying to keep and rent flipping a house is a bit of a sexy topic right there's so many tv shows about house flipping like house flipping boston and house flipping chicago like it's all these house flip shows right well even the block i mean they are uh, essentially they're flipping building they're they're flipping it's over the course of probably a longer period of time but there's this thing you know people it's it's a bit of a buzzword oh we bought and flipped this house and there's a bit more to it than just you know buying it and doing a few bits and then selling it off well it's also quite risky too and i think um you know this season we want to give you the tools that you need and to arm you with the questions that you need to ask when you're tackling your own renovation for profit project this is one of the biggest questions you need to ask yourself so that when you are building out your plan and your project you're making the right decisions so that the money is being invested cleverly First, I've been out to speak with a really well-regarded real estate agent in Sydney's East, a guy called Daniel Acox from the agency in Bondi, top fella, and I wanted to find out uh, what he's seeing and what he thinks. 
Now, we'll talk to Daniel later in this series about what you do once your renovation is nearing completion and how to get the best out of your real estate agent when you're renting or selling a property. I'm sure Daniel's got some really interesting uh, tips to pass on to our listeners. And I think first up, it's worth hearing his views about where a renovated property sits in the market. Unfortunately, whether it be in any of the capital cities, there might be 40 or 50 markets per, you know, micro markets. So we have to be careful and we're going back to the Sydney Morning Herald, you know, when they talk about the market, unfortunately, Bondi is different to a Campbelltown market. Um, So existing stock that has been done with high quality renovations, um, there's always a need and a desire for that because people like myself um, are lazy and don't want to necessarily go through (laughs) the hard work that potentially um, some of the listeners are looking to do. But I think it's important that it's always good quality. If the quality isn't there, it will be found out very quickly. But is there a need for one bedrooms, two bedroom apartments or four bedroom houses? It really comes down to that time in the market. We had a really long conversation and Daniel had plenty of great advice, which I'm looking forward to sharing to in the second half of this season later this year. He did tell me that he subscribes to the theory that property investment is very much about the medium to long term view. And this is something that we subscribe to as well. And it's something that you need to think about when you're investing. It is really difficult to make a quick buck uh, when you are flipping a property and you really need to understand through research whether the local market you know, needs a renovated property with the attributes that you're building in or that you're updating. And if not, then perhaps you need to think about whether it's a wise investment, uh, whether you're looking to flip or rent it out for the longer term. I think it's worth saying, as we always do in this series of the podcast, that we're talking about very um, general ideas and advice here. And if you're considering embarking on your own renovation journey, investment journey, you should definitely speak to your experts, like your financial planner, a mortgage broker, builders, people like that, real estate agents in the market that can help you make these decisions. And give you personal advice relevant to your personal circumstances. Exactly, yes. And I think, look, it's worth saying if you do decide to flip or turn over the property in a much shorter period of time, then you really do need to plan for the best result possible. So where where do you reckon people should focus their money and energy? Because you probably really have two paths that you could take, right, if you were going to go down the path of flipping or renting. The work that's required to be done will sort of determine whether maybe you're going down one path or the other or whether you even buy the property at all. Um, for example, if the building you know has good bones and you like it and you think it only needs a lick of paint and a few other bits and pieces doing, but it needs a whole bunch of structural work doing like, for example, the footings need replacing um, or something like that that people can't see, yeah. it's probably not going to be something that would be wise to turn over and flip quickly because that money and investment can't be seen, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think also taking it back a step as well, well, you know, you, you should really be thinking before you even go and start looking at any properties, are we looking to buy something that we're going to flip or are we looking to buy something that we're going to um, renovate and rent and keep? Because they're two different types of properties that you'd be going to look for and two different types of markets that you'd be researching. So I think it's at that point that you're deciding which avenue you're going to go down and you need to stick to your guns. Yeah, but I think it's important to say that if you are going to flip you do want to invest in things that people can see, that people can see the value you've added. Absolutely, and good quality finishes and good quality work. And, yeah, if you need to do remedial work to some foundations, well, that's it's not a waste of money if you're planning on hanging on to it for 20 years. But if you're planning on hanging on to it for 60 days, then, yeah, that's not probably the best use of your money. Yeah, and like Daniel said, it's got to be quality work. So I think the building report would definitely determine where some of the work and some of the money will have to be spent. Um, and that might mean that some of the grants 
grand plans that you've dreamt up for your project might have to be changed or cut back a little bit. And this is actually something that happened to us in our renovation journey, wasn't it? When we did ours, we weren't a million percent sure whether we were going to renovate to rent or renovate to flip. Which we know now is not the right way to do it. It's a really key question you need to answer for yourself before you actually get into the renovations. But we were thinking about um, potentially putting in a new kitchen and maybe doing some structural work, knocking out walls between the kitchen and the laundry. And then the bathroom really came up as a, as a big issue and it was something that desperately needed a fair bit more work and it was going to take a bunch more of our budget. So we had to yeah put money from the budget aside for that um, mini project um, and yeah, which meant cutting back on other areas that we'd hoped to, to do. And for practical and budget reasons, it then meant that it was probably going to be a better proposition as a rental property rather than something that we would flip. Today, we might see a shortage of two-bedroom apartments with parking. Next week, that might change with a few results. So it is hard to say, but ultimately, in a generalisation, good quality with those key attributes, parking, aspect, north-facing's good sunlight, balconies, outdoor areas, close to transport, infrastructure. All those things, no matter whether you're looking to buy in uh, Frankston, whether you're looking to buy in Bondi, whether you're looking to buy in Hornsby, New Farm, Brisbane, all those things, it doesn't matter what the market is, they're the key attributes that go through the market. As Daniel was alluding to there in that grab that we played, different locations are going to lend themselves to renting um, or buying for people to live in them, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So you need to think about the location, the industry or businesses that are in the nearby region and what are the needs of that area? Is there lots of new stock that's come in and affordable housing that's come in that is, you know, would mean you wouldn't need to rent? Yeah. Is there a, a uni nearby or is there an airport being built? There's lots of sort of infrastructure projects that may um, bring a lot of people to the area who aren't ready to buy and are looking to rent and that they're the areas you want to sort of look to, um, to, to purchase properties then to keep and rent out. Also, um, is the workforce transient? places like mining regions where there is an established community there but the numbers of people that come in and out of those towns go up and down based on the cyclical nature of industries like mining and so that's something to consider as well. And you do need to think outside the box with this. I've, I've heard of a couple of friends of friends who have bought investment properties in Junee because there's a jail being built there and I mean that's something quite random. You wouldn't normally think of, of, of an industry like that but that's going to bring a huge amount of jobs to the area. And another one is healthcare. Healthcare is a huge huge, consistently growing industry. It continues to get bigger and bigger. And think about um, healthcare hubs like Westmead in Western Sydney, where there is a huge hospital and growing health services there. And there, there are you know nurses and doctors that need places to live and they want to live near where they work as well, just like everybody else, I suppose. So um, that's something to think about too. Follow us on your socials. Search Find It Style It. And before we get into some do's and don'ts about flipping, if that's what you decide to do, another thing that I just wanted to flag was capital gains taxes. This is the um, technical portion of the podcast. <laughs> so I'm not uh, an accountant or a tax expert, but um, you should be asking your, your accountant about capital gains tax. It's a tax which is levied on the profits that you make when you get rid of an asset, and it applies to assets that were bought after 1985. So if you're looking to invest now, this obviously applies. And it's basically calculated by subtracting the cost involved in buying and holding an asset from the proceeds of the sale of the asset. So basically any gain that you make. Um, my 
minus some expenses, for example, if you're selling an investment property like in this sort of case and the scenario we're talking about here, and you would be able to um, subtract your expenses, things like if you've invested in a new kitchen, for example, titles and a bunch of other things, um, you would be able to subtract those. But then also if you got a government grant, for example, you'd need to, um, I guess, add that back in as a um, one of the costs that you, you, know, you can't claim back. I think it just really highlights, again, the importance of planning and doing your numbers and having as much information as possible before you start, you know, slamming down the credit card or hopefully cash, maybe not credit, um, or spending the bank's money basically on your renovation. Just, you know, knowing what you're up for if you are planning to flip it or how much will the capital gains tax be and how much have I spent on the property? So you have all that information at the beginning. Yeah, and stamp duty too. Um, you can avoid paying capital gains tax if you're selling a home that's considered your main place of residence. So if you're looking to buy and live in a property that is your main residence that you would effectively flip over a short period of time and you're not living somewhere else, I think what you need to have done is to you need, you need to have lived in that property for at least three continuous months in the 12-month period prior before you sell it um, for capital gains tax not to apply. But again, um, check with your accountant on that before All you make any details. decisions. It's all in the details. Find it, style it. All right, now I want to talk about flipping because I think it's probably the more risky of the two strategies that we were talking about today. I've got together a quick list of the do's and don'ts of flipping. Um, and I think also there's, some of these are quite general and many of them do also apply to buying to then rent out. Yeah, okay, so pens and paper at the ready. Yeah, pens and paper. So the first one is don't buy the best house in a bad street. No, no one wants to do that. <laughs> Which, you know, we've all heard the, the old uh, saying, you know, the worst house on the best street. Yep. Great rule to live by. Don't flip and do the opposite. Don't do the opposite because um, what you've got to think about is how you're going to sell the house at the end of the project. And if all the other houses on the street are run down or in disrepair, um, you know, how are you going to attract the type of buyer you want and then generate the price you need? Basically, I think don't be the guinea pig by being the first investor on a bad street. Okay, so that would apply to suburbs, I guess, as well, thinking about what are the up and coming suburbs rather than what are the ones that. That may be up and coming in the future, right? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's our second point. You uh, do buy in up and coming areas. So um, we all know that location is, you know, one of the keys to selling a property. So do look for suburbs that are on the up, but not near their peak. You're much better off buying, as we said, the worst house on the best street. Um, and also do your research to find out, like we said before, what are the um, the qualities of that suburb and why is it up and coming? Now, we've talked about experts and the importance of them right throughout your project, but one of the key ones that you need is a really good quality builder, and our tip is to do consult the builder before you buy. When you're inspecting the property, if you've got a builder that you know you're going to work with, have a chat to them so you can get an idea about what the place does need doing before you buy. Um, you know, what are the things that you could do it improve to improve it, and how much you know likely would that cost, um, even at a at a sort of a high ballpark level so you could start to get a, a sense for whether it is a good investment or not. And look, I think even if, you know, there's whether it's your builder or someone else who's done it before or who has a bit of expertise in it, if there's someone that you can take with you when you go and look at the house, even at the first open house, who can sort of point out those, especially if you're a newbie um, investor that can point out some of these things to look for, um, it's just going to do the world of good. So our next tip is don't ignore the warning signs. So this is a nice segue from um, you know, just taking your builder with you before mm. you buy. So, of course, you're wanting to avoid houses with anything like severe water damage or foundation issues. 
and you always need to consult a professional before you buy a home that has mould or asbestos. It might be something that if you're doing this for the first time that you might avoid properties like that. But like we did uh, with our investment property on the south coast of New South Wales, we were able to deal with it with the help of experts with the asbestos that was in that property. Now the next tip is really quite specific um, to the flipping strategy and that is don't hold the house for too long. This obviously sounds like common sense but let's just go through it. Your bank is obviously going to want to have a say in this um, but generally speaking when it comes to flipping you want to be in and out in 60 days so no more than 30 days renovating and then another 30 days to market it and sell it. That's quite a quick turnaround. That's pretty much what's considered the, the standard and what you need to do to make sure the bills don't start racking up and eating into your profits. And so that's why you really need to set out a great plan before you actually get in there. Once uh, you've bought the property and you've sort of in that um, pre-settlement period, that that's when you finalise all your planning. So when you get in there on day one, you can crack on and, and, and get it done. And look, I think 60 days from settlement to having on-sold it is obviously the, the dream number. And perhaps if you're looking to um, follow this strategy, you might not be able to achieve that on the first go. It'd be amazing if you did, um, but that's generally what you aim for. Yeah, because you're also um, obviously holding the mortgage during that period. You're not, you don't have a renter in, you know, there's nobody in there um, paying you rent, but you have to carry that cost as well yourself. So that's in addition to all of the costs associated with the um, the investment and the renovation too. So you've got to factor those um, costs into your, your, um, your renovation project budget as well. And I think the other thing I would add around that is that when you are selling, you probably don't want to hang on for a price that you um, imagine is achievable if you've got an offer that is near that um, in the short term. Let's say you were aiming for your renovation project to do 1.5 million once it was completed. Uh, it's a four-bedroom house in a nice suburb, um, but within the first week, you've only received an offer as high as 1.475 or 1.48, for example. Um, it might still be worth getting that done, doing a deal, if just it's to, still within your budget. to get it done. To get it done, to sell it, um, to get that money back in your bank and to um, be done with the debt. And to recoup your profit, you know, to get your profit as well. It might not be quite as high as what you were hoping, for, but it's it's still a deal. You're still getting some profit. You've still done well and you can move on to the next project. Exactly. So our next tip is do be realistic about your skill level. <laughs> and this one makes me chuckle because um, there were things when we were doing our, our renovation that um, I think we were sure that we would be able to do when we started out. And we've, you know, you realize when you get stuck into things, you think, yeah, I can either do this for the next week or I can throw a little bit of money at it and have someone do it for me in a day. For me, the external painting was a great example of that. I had a whole bunch of jobs that I had to do during the course of the renovation. One of them that I did want to do was some um, painting to the outside of the house. I thought it would be easy. I thought it would obviously be cheap because I could do it. And um, when I started doing all the, the preparatory work and then I thought about um, some really high areas of the property that needed to be painted well above any ladder that I had, I started thinking, wow, this is going to take me a lot longer. It might be a bit dangerous. I've got other stuff I could do that could help to get this project done quicker. So we got in a painter to help and it was one of the smartest things I think we did. You know, completing any simple DIY jobs yourself is a great way to save money. So unless you've got some crazy internal rate ceilings that you can't get to, for example, you should be doing all the interior painting yourself, I think. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, you can go and buy the paint from Bunnings. You can get it done. You don't need to rely on, on a tradesperson necessarily to do that. But spending more hours than you should trying to do a job, as we just said, that you have no idea how to do is literally- Or the tools a, as a, well. It's a waste of money. Yep. 
You don't want to buy tools that you're really only going to use for a one-off. Something like that, external painting, buying large ladders and extender poles and all that sort of stuff. It just doesn't add up when you can get somebody in to get it done. Who ha- already has all that gear and you haven't had to spend money on it. Okay, so our next tip is don't get emotional. So flipping a house or or actually purchasing any investment property, it's a business transaction at the end of the day and you do need to think with your head. And not with your heart. You're creating a home that your market will love, not necessarily you. So you do have to keep your eye on the prize. Yeah, you don't don't want to fall in love with it. Uh, You can when you've finished it, uh, if you think you've done a great job and pat yourself on the back, but um, you don't want to get, like you say, too emotional in your planning and during the preparation, thinking about how great you'll make it for somebody and adding in things, for example, like, I don't know, you know, a bar or a pool room that maybe just isn't... um, This is going straight to the pool room. (laughs) It just might not work for the market and it might not work for your investment. And our last tip is do think like an investor. And I think you know this is the big one and it really follows on from our last tip. Good investors set a budget and they stick to it. So when you're doing this type of work, make smart, buyer-friendly decisions in line with your budget. Exactly. Shake it! So if you're new to this, I know we haven't told you which way to go, whether it's smarter to invest and renovate to rent or uh, invest to flip. It's got to be different horses for different courses and you really need to think about all those do's and don'ts we talked about and you've got to get your own personal advice. But I think you know the key questions you need to ask when deciding uh, whether to renovate to flip or rent you know, is to think about what your personal circumstances are and to think about what would work in the local markets or suburbs based on real empirical data and research. And that's research you do yourself through some of the apps and websites that Lauren talked about in one of the earlier episodes, um, as well as talking to people that you know and trust. And that can be family members, it could be um, you know your partner, uh, or experts in the field like accountants, mortgage brokers, um, builders and real estate agents. So we've also got a lot coming up in the next episode, haven't we, Scott? Yeah, we're going to um, find out what it takes to finance an investment property. And I think this is actually really interesting because... The rules have changed so much around this in the last couple of years here in Australia and there's lots of information to wrap your head around. Well, the good thing is we will be speaking to an expert, a mortgage broker, who says that property will always be a great investment, though he does warn us that it is as difficult as it's ever been to get a loan in Australia. Look, loans are getting harder to get, but to me as a broker, being in the industry for 35 years, I'm, I'm now seeing banks trying to decline a loan rather than approve a loan. That's how hard it's getting and it's good to have an expert on your side to help you through that process. That's our mate's Stephen Lem from Mortgage Choice in Neutral Bay here in Sydney. More to come from him in the next episode of the Find It Style It podcast. And if you've got any questions about your project that you'd like us to answer, email lauren at finditstyleit.com.au. And if you like what you hear, please spread the word and leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Follow Lauren on your socials for latest style trends and tips. Just search Find It, Style It and subscribe now for exclusive perks, discounts and updates about store openings straight into your inbox. Go to finditstyleit.com.au.